0: Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome. The church in the balcony. Pray everyone had a great Thanksgiving. We uh, got some folks that are still traveling, so we want to uh, remember uh, them in prayer because uh, sometimes when you uh, travel, uh you're you're uh, gone for a weekend and and sometimes you get back in time but uh it, it's good to spend time with family and uh, I've been talking to some and they got to spend time with their kids and grandkids, and that's what it's all about it's just getting together on family. Uh, time and just having a great time so we hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and we appreciate you being in the house of the Lord this morning as we uh, come together we want to remember some prayer requests Uh, sister uh, Joy Briggs has a sister and her name is Charlotte Vainzettle we want to remember her in prayer Uh, she is uh, in dire need of a miracle and also we want to remember Elizabeth Hope Renee Stiltner Uh, Let's remember uh, Kaisley Hinkle, Jake Dotson, the Brian Charles family, and Sandra K. Lester, Shane Hurley, Wayne Dotson, Mickey. uh, Let's remember Chris, uh, Justice and family, all of them are sick, and uh, Shannon uh, Pruitt. Let's remember all of these in prayer. If you have a prayer request you'd like to make known just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you for this opportunity that you blessed us to gather together with your precious people. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us as we have gathered here today. That, Lord, each and every one that may be here that's feeling sick in their body or feeling a need for something or direction in their life, Lord, that you would just show your power and show your will. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way for those that are traveling, that you would keep your hand upon them as they travel, that they will have a safe journey to and from their destination. Thank you Lord for all the things you have done for us and we're going to give you thanksgiving every day because you are worthy of it all. Lord, I pray that you would bless all on our prayer list, all those that's watching by way of webcast, that Lord you would get the glory out of all of our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord another hand clap. Amen, amen. And uh, I gotta go get my folder. I left my my Sunday school lesson in my briefcase. Kind of been discombobulated this morning. It's one of them. One of them after eating so much turkey, it messes with you. You want to sleep, you want to to take a nap And then uh, we got into a little project at home And uh, it it became a a week, a week and a half In about three days But uh, we appreciate the Lord's blessings this morning If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 4 And we want to begin reading at verse number uh, 43 John chapter 4 And verse number 43. Uh, The Lord is uh, giving us some information this morning. And hopefully we'll take the information, get some inspiration and revelation. And we'll all leave here better than we came. So John chapter 4 and verse number 43. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend, or get better. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. Sometimes to get people to believe, there has to be something like a sickness. Something that is tragic to get people to truly believe. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning as we're just going to talk about Jesus uh, going from Cana to uh, Capernaum and and the things that transpired so, Uh, Let's just make this about Jesus. That'd be a good way to title it. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence, and we thank you once again for allowing us to study your word. Lord, your word is powerful. It's mighty. And Lord, I want to know more about your word. I want it to go into my life. I want it to touch me and change me. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to believe all the things that we have read about and all the things we've heard about so that we too can receive these great miracles, and Lord, we're going to look unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith, in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord another hand clap before we sit down, and you may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word and the announcements. When I read this, I read that it was a time when uh, Jesus began to depart out of the place where he was. And he went into Galilee. And Jesus began to testify that a prophet is not without honor save in his own country. Now what that basically means is uh, Jesus was not being uh, accepted, if you will, for who he was. He was not being embraced for being the healer or the miracle worker or uh, the one that could save them. Uh, They were just realizing and looking at Jesus as oh we know him he grew up in our community we know him he's he is uh, you know Joseph and Mary's son we know him we know his family we know his brothers so he's nothing special and you know sometimes that happens in our world that when you look around and you begin to see uh, the Lord move and use people in mighty ways people start brushing it off oh the I know them. That's just uh, the family down the road or the family up the road. But when the Lord wants to use somebody mightily, then it's going to manifest itself in such a way that people are going to realize that you may not get the honor in your own country or in your own city or your own town or your own family even. Uh, You know, uh, when I think about this, I think about a lot of times uh, in preaching. Uh, You can preach a message and you can preach something, and uh, somebody that comes right behind you may preach the same thing. And while you preached it, everybody just sat around and ho-hum, checked their text messages and, you know, uh, put another piece of chewing gum in their mouth and all this. And, and then uh, the, the evangelist can come right behind you and preach the same subject, not the same exact message, but the same subject, and everybody goes wild. And you know, it, it just all falls back, and I believe Brother Keith quoted this to me just the other day, that a prophet's not without honor, save in his own country. So a lot of times, uh, you know, I'll meet people, and, and, uh, and they remind me of where I come from. They remind me of my high school days, and they remind me of how crazy I was, and how, how uh, you know, things that I did back in the day, and, and I keep trying to you know, be polite and say, yeah, yeah, that was something, wasn't it, and all this, and uh, kind of brush them off politely. But, uh, you know, sometimes we, we don't give honor to those in our own country. Sometimes we get used to, well, they're the family down the road, or they're the family that, that uh, you know, attends church with me. But Jesus faced the same thing. Jesus was not given honor in his own country. We would think that Jesus would be given honor no matter where he went. We would think that people would say, Oh, that's Jesus. Let's worship him. But they were skeptics back in Jesus' day. They were people that did not believe that Jesus was more than just a man. They thought that he was just a carpenter's son, that he was just a man. and uh, So that's all they looked at. They did not believe that he was anything more I'm glad that I have the revelation that Jesus is more. How many glad you got the revelation? I'm glad he's more than a man. I'm glad that he's more than a carpenter's son. I'm glad that he's more than a family member or a guest at a wedding. I'm glad I know Jesus. I'm glad that Jesus is more than just somebody who comes and feeds the hungry. I'm glad he's more than somebody that just shows up when somebody needs to get off the porch. I I don't know. I just feel like this morning we ought to have a greater revelation of who Jesus is. Oh I love Jesus and Jesus uh, began to leave his own area and uh, Jesus was approached by a nobleman and this nobleman had heard that Jesus was in Galilee. Now this nobleman uh, had a son and his son was sick and not just with the flu or a virus but was ready to die. And that's why he approached Jesus. We find that sometimes uh, sickness is uh, something that brings us to a closer place with the Lord. Sometimes it's sickness that makes us want to pray more. Sometimes it's sickness that we mention names that people need to be saved. I've heard people say this so many times. They need to be healed, but they need salvation more than their healing. How many can agree with that? People need salvation more than they need healing. But you see, in the meantime, looking at what Jesus was doing, he was uh, beginning to uh, just come into an area, and they gave him honor. They recognized him as somebody that was was more than just uh, a man or a carpenter's son. So the nobleman heard Jesus was in Galilee. Now, regardless of whatever authority this nobleman possessed, and a nobleman was called a nobleman because he was a nobleman. <laughs> he was somebody. If you wanted to talk about noblemen today, you would talk about people in positions of authority, people who were, uh, uh, had influence, people that could tell people to go, and they would go and tell people to come, and they would come. This is what type of man this was. But he had a son And I'm pretty sure with all of his resources, he probably spent whatever he could and took him to the best doctors in the best place. And still, I think that this uh, son was near death. And so we find something interesting that when he is approached by this nobleman, this nobleman just simply says, "I, I, I need you to heal my son. I need you, Jesus. You see, sometimes our needs are met When there is a need, I tell people all the time, they say, Oh, I'd like to see miracles, signs, and wonders, and all of these things. Well, then I said, Well, you got to have a need. You got to have a need. There's got to be somebody sick, ready to die. There's got to be something that somebody's got that the doctors can't cure. And then you see the miracle. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts backing up. Well, I didn't want to see that. I don't want nobody to be sick. I want nobody to be ready to die. Well, that's what you have to come upon if you want to see the miraculous. It is people that have a need. They can't get from a doctor or lawyer or any other person. And this man knew this, so that's why he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus and he began to tell him about all that was going on in his son's life. And, and he, was in a, he was in distress. Can, if you can imagine having a child... And, and, you know, it, uh, if you had a son or a daughter, if you just had a child, and uh, you was in that place to where uh, you knew that if you didn't get help, if you didn't get a miracle, if you didn't get what you asked for, that family member was going to pass away. And then when you look at that, you begin to see that This is the desperation. This is the hour of distress of this man. And he just had a spark of hope. He just just knew Jesus would do something about his situation. He had that little glimmer of hope, if if you will. Sometimes we talk in terms like that, that we just had a small glimmer of hope that things would get better or turn around. And so we find that he reported to Jesus and he told Jesus the fact of his son's situation. And that's where Jesus performed, uh, you know, another miracle. And the Bible says this was his second miracle. Jesus' hometown of Nazareth was not far from Cana, yet Jesus did not go there. He didn't go to the hometown. Matthew recorded a visit Jesus made to Nazareth, and he reported that the Lord did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief Jesus is not going to stick around and hang out with people that are unbelieving and that's why when a church gets to where we don't believe anymore and we don't want to believe anymore and we don't think God can do anything anymore and we think revivals ended and salvation is not offering to people and we start getting in that frame of mind guess what Jesus ain't going to do much But oh, if somebody comes through that door and they're hungry. If somebody comes through that door and they're desperate if somebody comes through that door and they're in distress they've come with something that they know that Jesus can take care of I believe that we want Jesus to show up this morning I believe we want Jesus to move this morning and the only way that we can get him to show up and move is to look unto him with our distresses our desperation our problems our circumstances and say Jesus I I need you. So Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, they just looked at him, brushed him off. We know this guy. And uh, so he didn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. That's found in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58. Jesus also was met with uh, rejection in Judea and Jerusalem, the heart of Judaism. Those who should have you know, praised Jesus as their Messiah, instead chose to persecute him, and eventually they chose to crucify him. Isn't it amazing that the very one that was doing mighty works, and it wasn't something hid, if it was something hid, then, you know, people could question it. People could say, well, I heard he did this, but I ain't never seen him do it. Or I heard that he was in this town doing some great miracles. But I I wasn't there to see it. But you see, if we're not careful, we'll become just like Jerusalem and Judea. We will become comfortable with Jesus. I don't ever want to get comfortable with Jesus. I don't ever want to get comfortable with Jesus. I never want to be in a place where I just sit and say, well, you know, uh, I'm going to put my time in. I'm going to go through the service. I'm going to go home and we'll order pizza. I want to have a hunger for righteousness. I want to have a hunger and thirst for the things of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus' hometown didn't accept him or honor him like they should have. Uh, A church that does not honor Jesus is a church that will not stand. I want to say it again. A church that will not honor Jesus is a church that will not stand. Amen. That's why I love this church. I love this church because this church is full of people that want to honor Jesus. I believe that we have come this morning not out of routine, I'm pretty sure if it was routine, we'd all stayed home and said, Well, I need a day off. But you see, we come this morning not out of routine, but we come because we want to give honor unto the one that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, I love Jesus. Uh, He's done more for me than anybody. He's brought me out of situations that I should have been destroyed in. He's helped me when I was helpless and he gave me hope when I was hopeless and he encouraged me when I was discouraged and when I find myself in distress, I just cry. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I just got to know that there's an answer in Jesus. Somebody give a praise. There's an answer in Jesus. If we would ever get to the frame of mind, I know I'm going through this and my family's going through that and I'm up against this and I'm up against that. If we could just say, Jesus will take care of it. I just got to get to Jesus because Jesus has the answer. So we find that his hometown rejected him and we find that in John chapter 4 and verse 44, the apostle explained this by noting, Jesus himself testified. In other words, Jesus began to talk about his hometown. And he just simply said, a prophet hath no honor in his own country. You see, I never want to get to a place to where I fail to give him honor. Oh, how good he's been to us. Oh, I know that most of us have come through Thanksgiving and we had something to eat. It may not have been the table spread that others have, but we had something to eat. We began to look around and we're blessed today. We we got to come to the house of God. What a blessing it is. And hallelujah. We got clothes on our back. We got a right mind. We've come to lift up the name that is above every name. That's why I'm here today. That's why you are here today. Because we know we got to give him honor. Not just honor when we have a need or a situation. But honor every day. When I wake up I want to be thankful when I go to bed I want to be thankful when I go through my day I want to be thankful there were cities that did acknowledge the power and authority of Jesus and you know he made sure to visit those locations I'm glad to know that if people are wanting to lift up Jesus he will make a visitation he will make a trip amen Most people say, well, you can't find Phelps, Kentucky because, you know, the sun don't shine there. Jesus knows where we're at. That's all that matters. I, I ain't worried about some sarcasm that somebody has about where we live or some put down of this area. I just say Jesus wants to do something here because some people in this area want to lift him up. And I tell you, if you lift him up, he shows up. Amen. That's the best way I can describe anything that you have need of. Lift him up and he'll show up. The nobleman lived in Capernaum, approximately 15 miles from Cana. So this is just about 15 miles on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. And considering that this event occurred centuries before the modern travel, you know, it wasn't easy to get there. But Jesus wanted to go there because there was somebody with a need. Somebody that believed he was more than a man. You see, I was was telling somebody the other day, a church alive is worth the drive. Right? So mileage shouldn't be a, a, you know, a determent. Mileage shouldn't be something that holds you back. They should be something that you just say, you know what? I believe the Lord is there and I'm going to make my journey. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm going to make my journey because somebody needs me. Somebody is in need. So Jesus went 15, approximately 15 miles from Cana on the coast of Galilee. Considering that in our day today, would you be willing to walk 15 miles to help somebody? Yeah. You no, know, you don't have to answer, you know, because I don't want you lying in the church house. <laughs> you remember them old saints you said we'd walk three miles to church and we'd shout on the way, shout while we was there, and shout all the way home. Amen. I tell you what, we ought to be, have that shout back. We ought to leave our house with a shout, we ought to show up with a shout, we ought to leave with a shout. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this lesson this morning. I feel like the Lord's getting ready to do something. Considering that this was before all of the modern travel, this was not a short distance. This was not just a hop and skip. Nowadays, if we say, oh, it's just 15 miles down the road, you might have a few people saying, no, I can't travel. That's 15 miles. Mate one's about 12, you know, and we go eat at Mate One at the Mexican restaurant. Plug, give me a discount. I give them ink pens all the time with the church name on it. I say, Here, here's the ink pen. But, uh, you know, uh, we drive about 12 miles to make one, and, and that's no big deal because you know why? The food is good. Now, now if they serve sorry food, I ain't driving 12 miles for sorry food. I, I'll, drive, I'll drive 28 miles to Pikeville, I'll drive 28 miles to get some good food. But I'm not going to drive 28 miles to get some bad food. Jesus was looking in in the sense, and I'm trying to use something in the natural to give you something spiritual. Jesus was looking at it in the same manner. I'm not going to a city that's not going to give me praise and honor. I'm going to a city. That is going to give me the honor due unto my name. Where I can do something. They believe. They believed, And so considering this. It was not just a hop and skip 15 miles. Uh, yet the difficulty did not matter to the nobleman. And it did not matter to Jesus. And, and even Jesus healed him before you know, he had to go to that particular town. So... Jesus can heal, and, and you know, sometimes we get, we get hung up on some things, and, and trust me, I believe we ought to anoint people with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ought to pray over them, believing and agreeing together that they'll be healed, right? That's Bible. That's Bible. Amen? I also believe that you can be in Myrtle Beach, and I can be in Phelps, Kentucky, and a prayer will still work. Amen. I I don't believe that sometimes, you know, we want people to make a journey and and we want people to come where we are so maybe we can get that personal touch or whatever it is that we need. But a prayer over the phone is just as powerful if there's a distance. Jesus did not go to the place. The man came to him. He just said, go ahead and go home. Your, Your son's made whole. Everything's going to be all right when you get home. That's 15 miles. That was a good distance. But you know, that man knew that Jesus had something he needed. So his son had a serious need. And no one had been able to help him. So he makes a 15-mile trip to Jesus. When he gets to Jesus, he tells him about the situation. Well, Jesus already knows. Jesus knows everything about us. He knows what we're up against. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're going through. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's everything and everywhere all at the same time. And we find that this is interesting because Jesus did not go. And if you read in the Old Testament, remember a time when when Naaman had leprosy? and, And he said, surely I thought the man of God would step out and come to me. And lay his hands on me, and and the little uh, you know person that was with him, and young person that was with him, said, "Just do what he says." You see, sometimes we're looking. Oh, I gotta have I gotta have this happen. I gotta have that happen. I gotta I gotta have the pastor come. I gotta have the deacons come. I gotta have the choir director come. I gotta have everybody there. Uh, just do what Jesus says. Believe. That's, that's, all, that's all the nobleman did. He just believed. He believed. There was some belief coming. Fifteen miles of belief. Now, I'm pretty sure between the 15-mile journey, the start and the finish to where Jesus was, I'm pretty sure the devil probably talked to that nobleman. The Bible doesn't say he did, but I'm pretty sure he did. Why are you going 15 miles to see Jesus? Why can't Jesus come to you? Oh, I just know how the devil works. That's why I can say this is probably the conversation going on. Because sometimes we get in in a situation we say, well, why didn't Jesus take care of my problem before it ever got out of hand? I know people that got mad at Jesus because certain situations didn't take place that they thought should have taken place. And they get mad at Jesus. I was in a conversation this past weekend we was talking about how that, you know, not everybody was healed in Jesus' day. He didn't go and pull everybody off the porch. He's looking for people that have faith and people that believe, people that's not just wanting to get healed and go on their merry way, because that's what most people want. Most people want the healing, right? I, in fact, I'd say 100 percent of the people you ask that are sick, I want my healing. But how many is going to come back to Jesus? How many is going to come back to church? You know, we, we had a five-week revival. We, we baptized, I don't know, it's 10 or 12 people. And I forget how many people got the Holy Ghost through that. And, and they went on their merry way. Because some people just want to be relieved of their situation. And then walk away from Jesus. Jesus wasn't looking for those people. He was looking for people that believed in him, that after the healing, they would follow him. I will follow all the way, Lord. I will follow Jesus every day. You see, we got to understand that if we're not careful, we'll just use Jesus as our provider. Lord, I need this. Lord, give me this. Lord, I want this. And then when he does it for us, we never testify about it. We never tell somebody about it. Oh, well, you know, we, got, we had people on the prayer list that's been healed, and we still had them on the prayer list. Because nobody had enough of God about them to say, Hey, God moved in that person's life. Right? And then you had dead people on the prayer list. <laughs> Praying for a resurrection, I guess. They was on the prayer list. They, they died, and, and and nobody nobody come up and said, you know, uh, the person's dead and gone. Lord didn't come through. But you know what? We'll talk something on Facebook to somebody for an hour and a half. They'll know all your business. They'll know your business and some of business that you didn't want them to know. And they'll know all about it because you talk about it on Facebook. you got so many friends and so many great people on Facebook. It's just good to hang out with them. I want to hang out with Jesus. Facebook is not my attraction. Twitter's not my attraction. I want you to know social media should not be your attraction. What should attract you is Jesus Christ, the presence of the Lord. thought about this trip 15 miles that's a long trip for anybody to make he comes and the gospel of John does not reveal the nature of the young man's illness only that he was at the point of death and I'm pretty sure as I said the devil was trying to discourage the the nobleman from going to Jesus Jesus should make that trip Jesus should make that trip why you having to do that why are you having to walk that 15 miles Why can't somebody else go get Jesus? I'm pretty sure that's the conversation going on in his spirit. The devil's not going to let you walk to your miracle without some resistance. I want to say that again. The devil's not going to let you walk to your miracle. It's 15 miles. That don't mean nothing to the devil. It's 15 miles. That don't even mean nothing to the Lord. 15 miles, the devil's trying to discourage you. Why are you going to Jesus? He should come to you. You'll never get to your miracle without some type of resistance. And I'm pretty sure that nobleman was resisted. And I believe the devil tried his best right up to the last mile. No wonder they wrote that song, Last Mile of the Way. Last mile of the way, I'm pretty sure that the devil was still trying to discourage him. You probably don't need to bother Jesus. Jesus is an important man. You know, he's got the disciples, his inner circle, and he, he's going from place to place, and, and he's just too busy for you. So, so you just really just need to go back home. How many people get that close to their miracle and give up the pursuit? Give up the prayer. Give up being steadfast. Give up going to an altar. Give up crying unto the Lord. They're that close to their miracle. But if the devil can step in, he don't need very much room to step into your life. And cause you to doubt Jesus and walk away from Jesus. Oh, I want to know that, yes, I'm going to receive some resistance when I'm on my way to my miracle. But I want to keep on going. I want to know that even when I'm climbing that mountain and it seems like the way is so rough and it just seems like I'm exhausted and I can't climb another step or go another foot, I'm still going to try to drag myself up that mountain. You know why? Because if I can get to Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this. You see, when Jesus was approached by this nobleman, we find that uh, the Bible doesn't really say what was wrong with his son. The only thing it does say is that he was sick unto death. He was ready to die. You see, uh, a lot of times, and I don't discourage this, but I'm just saying, everybody say, he's just saying. He's just saying. When people come up to get prayed for, You know, and sometimes they want want us to know the, uh, you know, specifics to pray about, and that's great, right? But if I don't know your specifics, it doesn't change the power of God, right? Anybody ever um, heard the the hashtag TMI? Too much information. Sometimes I don't need to know about your gastric problems and your. You, I did, Pastor, I need prayer. <laughs> you know? Sometimes people get, get kind of bent out of shape and they, they want to tell you everything. They'll tell you, I had two eggs for breakfast and they didn't agree with me. Well, praise God. Quit eating eggs. <laughs> But I'm not against people, and I don't want to discourage. So, so if you come up and get proud today, don't, he don't want me to tell him. He said it. He don't want me to tell him. Because that's what the devil's going to tell you. And I'm going to tell you, you've got to do the way you believe. You've got to come with that faith. And if it's telling everybody from the deacon to the pastor, your problem. And on the way from the back pew to the front, say, hey, I got this going on. Hey, I got that. Do it. Because you know why? We want you healed. We want you delivered. We want you to come out of this situation. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, the Bible doesn't say the sickness of this nobleman's son. It doesn't go into detail. All it says is he was at the point of death. Now, if physicians were present, they apparently had pronounced, there's no hope. Jesus, you're wasting your time. We done seen this boy back in 99. Right? How many knows that there's always skeptics hanging around? Ain't no use for you to go that all You go every time the preacher says go. Skeptics. Ain't no use for you to think Jesus is going to do anything for you because you ain't nobody. You look at somebody and say, I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. That's right. We ought to say, you know, I am somebody. And and every time the skeptics look and say, well, praise God. They've been baptized so many times the minors know their name. Leave them alone. We got to move past baptisms, but I'm going to tell you something If somebody's walked away from God and quit praying and all of that, they need to do their first works over. It's just simple as that. I've had people that that sat under pastors that believed if you was baptized when you was five years old, that's it. You don't need to be baptized anymore. And they went out whoremonging and and adultery and fornication and all these things. then they get in their later life and they've come to me and they said, Pastor, I was baptized when I was five, but I've been in the world and I've been doing this. I said, you need to be baptized. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of five years old that just get baptized because it's, it's popular. Unfortunately, there's a lot of adults who do the same thing. I'm going to seek Jesus in my time of need. Hallelujah. If, if doctors were probably there, skeptics all around, and then all of a sudden we see that, he keeps on going to Jesus. I'm not going to let anything distract me. I'm not going to let anything get me sidetracked. i got to get to Jesus. I believe there's problems in this building today with people that are here that, that you, you've made up your mind. I've got to get to Jesus today. I, I'm not going to let the skeptics scare me and I'm not going to let anything deter me and I'm not going to let the devil hinder me. And, and, and again... You come up and you get prayed for and you want to tell me everything you have for breakfast, that's fine. I'm, still going, I'm going to listen and nod and then I'm going to pray for you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to discourage you from getting what you need ever how you got to get there to get it. Because I'm sure somebody said 15 miles is a long way. You don't need to do that. That's just asking too much of you. The uh, problem with most people today, the reason they don't serve the Lord and the beauty of holiness is it's just too much. They shouldn't ask that of you. I'm gonna tell you something. You ain't gonna see God without holiness. We gotta, we gotta be holy, we gotta walk holy, we gotta, we gotta, our outer appearance has gotta change. Because Jesus on the inside working on the outside. We gotta understand that Jesus is the one we need to seek in our time of need. If someone we love was serious ill, most of us would make that journey. You know, we would go and take them 28 miles to a doctor. Or we would, we would uh, you know, go ourselves. If they's too sick to go, we'd go and try to get somebody to come home to, to minister to them. You know, used to, back in the day, you had a little hometown doctor. And the hometown doctor made house calls. And you had a sick relative or you had something going on. That little doctor gave his little doctor bag. And he would make the journey to the house. Right? And then he would, he, would, he would doctor at home. Well, that's all gone now. We know that you can call all the doctors you want. Now they got some, I don't know what they call them. I think they're uh, concierge, doctor's. Uh, that uh, are just in private practice. So if you want them to be your personal physician, you have to pay them like, you know, $100,000 a year to be on call for you personally. Those those doctors are out there. I can't afford none. But uh, I I have to sit in the waiting room like everybody else. But you know, when this uh, nobleman made this trip and he finally arrived we find something interesting because love motivates us to do anything and everything we can to help those we love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love beareth all things. You see, love will make you do things, and this this is maybe a good marriage counseling. Love will make you do things... That you normally wouldn't do, right? Love will make you get along with somebody that every now and then gets on your nerves. said, <laughs> you laugh too loud. <laughs> Not just joking with you. I'm just joking. Love will I remember me and my wife. We met in high school back in the 70s. And, and, and there's a song, Captain and Tenille, Not Sister Tennille. Captain and, and Love will keep us together. And I'd sing that song. And we had our favorite songs, you know, growing up. All this. But love will keep you together. Love will keep a church together. Love will keep a congregation together. Love will keep a marriage together. Love will keep a family together. I I heard this testimony so many times, and I want to relate it to you to show you how powerful love is. There was uh, ladies back in the day that would be uh, married to a drunk or alcoholic or something, and and they was mean, and they was all of this, and wasted money and all these things, and... And there's only a few ways that there should be a mixed marriage, and, and that's in, and you know, and I think this is the case. Both of them were sinners, and one of them came to the Lord. Well, uh, I heard the testimony, and some people say, why don't you just leave him? He don't love you. He's treating you badly. He's spending all your money on alcohol. And I've heard this testimony so many times, but I love him. Now, I'm not saying that you should sit in an abusive relationship, but I am saying love will keep you when other things would cause you to just walk away. That's why the love for his son caused him to walk 15 miles to get to Jesus because he loved his son. And we find that love motivates us. You know, if you love the Lord, you'll be motivated to serve him. If you love church... You'll want to come. Now, if you're sitting at home and, it, well, i got about 10 minutes. I can still get there. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Uh, 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 you don't love. You don't, that's not love. Love don't look at a watch. <laughs> love don't sit on a pew and say, how much longer we got? That's not love. That's disgust. Because you're disgusted that somebody's gonna try to get you closer to Jesus. That's why altar calls last longer. That's why preaching lasts longer. If you want to know why I got so much to say and so little time to say it, is because I know that, that there's a lot of people that may walk out that door and never come back. So I got a lot to say. We find the nobleman asks Jesus, just heal my son. It's easy to imagine how he approached him and making his way from Capernaum to Cana. And uh, he was probably no doubt running the last mile of the way and he made no unnecessary stops. He didn't stop off at people's houses and old friends and, and just take in the scenery and say, hey, on my way to Jesus, I'm going to go to the beach and just kind of hang out for a day because I ain't ever been there. See, I know preachers that do that. They line up their preaching points for their vacation. Shame on them. So I can say. Shame on them. We find that uh, he was on a mission. He had to get to Jesus before his son died. And the nobleman arrived in Cana. He probably asked where Jesus was staying. And upon receiving the answer. He immediately went to that place. When we finally. Or when he finally found Jesus. The nobleman pleaded with him. To come down and heal his son. Now, if we can recreate this scene in our minds, here's what we got. We can hear the desperation in the nobleman's voice. He begged Jesus, you've got to come. You've got to come with me. I've come 15 miles. I can't let you stay here. You've got to come to my son. And then we can put in our mind that Jesus intervenes and, and just says, okay, go on home. Your son's okay. Now, now that's faith, Right? Faith is walking away from Jesus believing what he said is going to happen. Amen. Amen. I'd like to help us today that when we walk away from this service today, we ought to have the faith that Jesus is going to do what he said he would do. He's going to do something in our families. He's going to do something in our lives. So we find that Jesus began to just tell him, go on home. Everything's going to be all right. It's a strange response. In fact, it's probably a response that most of us would say, I just got here, and you're telling me to go back. Now it's a 30-mile journey. You see, the test of your faith may not always be getting to Jesus. It'll be doing what Jesus says test of your faith might not be, well, I went to church all three services. Wednesday, Sunday, Sunday evening. I went to, I went all the services. That may not be the test of your faith. The test of your faith might be taking what the preacher's preaching and say, I need to apply that to my life, so now I'm going to go back home and let it work in me. So can you imagine, you've just come 15 miles, you're tired. Anybody tired? You're tired. You're, you're worn out. You're overwhelmed. And you're still worried about your son. Did he die on my 15-mile journey? Is he gone already? Is, am I going to have to go home now and dig a grave and bury him? And when, when he finally gets to Jesus, Jesus just looks at him and says, Go home. Everything's Okay. So now he turns around. No conversation recorded of him saying anything like, but Jesus. See, we like to put the but Jesus is in there. But Jesus, you don't understand what I'm going through. But Jesus, you don't understand what I just did. Jesus, you don't understand. I've come 15 miles. We'll go same road that brought you here, same road take you home. Go back home. Everything's all right. So the test of faith was to turn from Jesus and go back home believing your son was going to live. Now, it's a strange response. And we understand that Jesus, uh, you know, gave him this information and direction in his life to go back home. But then we find something interesting because we find that in the midst of... um, The uh, miracle, if you will. Uh, The nobleman was expecting Jesus just to uh, come with him. They could talk about it. They could journey 15 miles back. But instead, the man's pleased to heal his dying son. Jesus just simply responded with, except you see signs and wonders. It's almost a rebuke. Can you imagine going 15 miles to get to Jesus and Jesus says, Unless you see signs and wonders, you ain't going to believe. Jesus shouldn't have said that to him. That's what people today would say. Jesus shouldn't have said that to that boy. That man come 15 miles, and then Jesus says, and except you see signs and wonders, you ain't going to believe nothing. And you know what? When we read that, I can see a lot in our world today. I see so much in our world today because Jesus responded with a rebuke. Here's the next thing that will test your faith. Remember the woman that looked at Jesus and wanted healed and wanted deliverance and wanted some things taken care of for her family and, and all of a sudden he just looks at her and says, you know, uh, no, you, no, no. I ain't even paying attention to you. You'll read your Bible's fascinating book. I ain't paying attention. To you. She said, But the dogs eat of the crumbs of the master's table. And, and when he heard that, it moved him to respond. You see, sometimes our faith is not the 15 mile journey to Jesus, and in fact, it's not altogether the turning around and going back, but it's what Jesus says that sometimes we're there for the wrong reason. We got to see something miraculous or it ain't happening. Oh, we got to see something big, brother, Larry, like happening or we ain't had church. We got to see something magnificent go on so we can go out at the restaurant and talk about what really happened at church. I'm going to tell you, we could talk every Sunday, every Wednesday at the restaurant and tell what really happened at church. Jesus came to my rescue. Jesus, help me through another day, Jesus. So, looking at this, I, I can just imagine how all of this is unfolding. Um, you know, sometimes Jesus' answer is a test of faith within itself, because Jesus just said, "Except you see all these signs and and wonders, you're not going to believe." Now. Um, When you look at that That would have been easy For him to be offended Here's the thing we got to get out of In 2023 almost 2024 Every time somebody says something We get offended Preacher preaches on sin Well he must know I'm doing it Preacher's preaching on this Well praise God I ain't going back we got to get out of that. We either love Jesus or not. We're either gonna, we're either gonna press toward the mark or not. I believe that today we've got to be tough in the spirit. Which means that we have got to press through when you Feel discouraged and, and somebody steps on your toes? I heard, I heard preachers uh, preaching messages and people get up and say, boy, you stepped all over my toes. And he said, uh, I'll not be there next time. I, I'm going to make sure I'm not at the same place. Well, and I heard preach, somebody told me one time, if you don't step on my toes, you ain't much of a preacher. So you know what? It puts a preacher in a predicament. Do I step on some toes? Or don't I? If I step on some toes, this no like me. If I don't, this no like me. You know what? I learned a long time ago why the pulpit's in the center of the church. You preach it line upon line and precept upon precept, and it's up to you all whether it offends you or whether it helps you to grow stronger. I pray that you grow stronger every day. But you know, it would have been easy to get offended, it would have been easy. And then in Matthew and Mark it records that Jesus responded in a similar manner as we said to the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was demon possessed and Jesus initially insulted her by saying it's not meat to give the children's bread and cast it to dogs. That's in Matthew 15, 26 and Mark 7, 27. Just like the Syrophoenician woman, the nobleman could not be discouraged, offended. You see, I'm going to do whatever i got to do to get to Jesus. Amen. Amen. If, if a preacher wants to preach it so strict that I think I can't have nothing but water and air and a little bit of that, I'm going to get my way to Jesus. If teaching is so strict that it makes me feel like that everything I do is sinful, I'm still going to get to Jesus. I don't know about you, but if you don't have a hunger to get to Jesus, if you're not willing to walk the 15-mile journey and turn around and walk 15 miles back, you'll never see your miracle. If you're not willing to let the Word of Jesus, the words of Jesus speak to you in sometimes a rebuke, you will never make your way to Jesus. You'll never see your miracle. You'll
1: never understand what He wants you to do because sometimes what He says, may be be a rebuke. But if you really love Jesus, you say okay, that might be true. I might be a dog. I might be a Gentile. I might not be worthy of the crumbs or anything like that. But I will tell you this, Jesus. I believe you can still heal my daughter. I believe you can still save my daughter. I believe you can still cast demons out of my daughter.
0: That's what the woman said. She said, I'll eat the, you know Even the dogs eat of the crumbs. And and Jesus, I I may be a dog, but that's okay. I want my family touched. Preacher, you are preaching about hypocrites and all these things. I may be one, but I want my family saved. You see, we got to get out of this. Oh,
1: that offended me because if we get offended at the word of God, woe unto us! That the word of God becomes some of offense and begins to push us away. Jesus is telling us sometimes we need a rebuke. He chastens those that he loves.
0: Oh, I'm going to tell you, if you never correct your child, you don't love your child.
1: If you never tell your child they're doing wrong, you don't love your child. Sometimes you've got to do some tough love. Because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Oh, he looked and said, you're not going to believe unless you see all the miraculous. He looked
0: at the Syrophoenician woman and said, "Ah, oh, no, you don't deserve none of the bread from the master's table. You don't deserve none of this. And Jesus made it
1: clear that persistence is a key factor in effective prayer. Persistence is a key factor in the getting what you need. Because you said, I will go on a Sunday morning and find my way to Jesus. You're going to leave here different than you came. Give a hand clapping to the Lord.
0: Well, Jesus gave that response, that rebuke. That didn't deter him. See, sometimes you've got to tell people things they don't want to hear. (laughs) And then finally he turned around And he left Now I'm sure the devil Was probably trying his best To tell him It ain't happening for you Jesus just told you off He gave you a piece of his mind We all got the mind of Christ I'm glad he gave me a piece of his mind I'm glad he gave me the mind of peace Hmm So he goes back and before he ever gets back, he's met. Everything's cool. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. Well, when did it happen? And he gave him the the time frame. And it was at the same hour that Jesus said, go your way. You see, sometimes we need to understand the journey to Jesus. Sometimes the rebuke he gives us. Sometimes the push away and says, no. No is not to destroy you but it's to increase your faith so that you can walk back to your miracle. And before you ever get back to your miracle, somebody's going to tell you it's already happening. It's already taking place. Uh, Something good is happening. I don't know about you, but I feel like something good is about to happen. I feel like something good. I
1: I know we're in revival. I know that there's things happening. But I believe something bigger is getting ready to happen because somebody is going to get to Jesus. Uh, We're not going to give up. We're not going to be offended. We're not going to let go. We're going to listen to Jesus and go back to our miracles. Oh my.
0: I want to get back to my miracle. So I'm going to listen to Jesus. Sometimes Jesus tells even the preachers no. That's right. Sometimes he gives us a rebuke. Sometimes he says, okay, son, here you go. This is your whipping now. Do I get mad at Jesus when he does these things? I've read enough of his word. You see, you are to read the word. It's a fascinating book. I've read enough of his word that says he chastens those he loves. He whips those he loves. He corrects those he loves. So when I get out of line... And I get a whipping. I don't think there was any whipping my dad gave me. And he gave me some hard whippings. Sometimes I deserved them. Sometimes I deserved them. I probably didn't get all I deserved. But when he would whip me hard. I'm not talking about. Honey don't do that. That's the whippings of the day now. No. You got, you got the board of education. You got the belt of instruction. You got all these things. And you know what? After he whipped me not one time in my snubbing, in my crying, in feeling the burning and the pain, did I say, I hate him. I don't want him to be my dad. I'm going to walk away from him and never come back home. Not one time. You know what? After about an hour of snubbing, And I never understood this, but here's why he'd say he'd whip you. And then when you started snubbing, quit that snubbing. I never understood that. But, you know, I was one of them people that I go, trying to hold the snub in. Everybody knows what snubs. Kids today, they don't know what snubs are. They think it's somebody on Facebook defriended them. (laughs) Yeah, you all get it sooner or later. It's time for me to quit because we're getting ready to transition into our, uh, our service today. But I want you to have enough desire to get to Jesus that you are willing to go the distance. You're willing to listen at him, and it may not be what you want to hear. He may even rebuke you or whip you, but you keep loving him. You keep loving him. Amen? You keep loving him. You keep loving him. Don't ever walk away from Jesus just because he corrects you. He loves you enough to do that. We're going to turn it over to Brother DeBarge at this time. Brother, take it from here.
2: Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. What a great message we heard this morning. Uh, I had to learn a long time ago, and, and I'll preference this as we begin the transition. Uh, I had to learn a long time ago that my state of mind and where I was and my walk and where I was in my daily life did not determine the greatness of God. It never changed the value of who God was in my life. He was always the same, the great King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. What a great message we heard this morning. As we transition, is there any birthdays or anniversaries? Because we would love to take a a moment to help celebrate with you this morning. looks like we have one. Amen. Glory. As Brother McCoy likes to say, better than the alternative. Rather be be one day
0: older than the
2: not- (laughs)
0: see how old our dear sister is. There's 25, 50, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59. My, my. I knew her when she was younger. Amen. Anybody else? Anniversary, birthday? Oh, let's sing happy birthday to our dear sister today a happy
3: birthday to you a happy birthday to you may you feel jesus near every day of the year a happy birthday to you a happy birthday to you and the best year you've ever had A happy birthday to you A happy birthday to you May you feel Jesus near Every day of the year A happy birthday to you A happy birthday to you And the best year you've ever had Yeehaw!
2: (laughs) Can we give her a hand clap? One year older, so grateful for that. Is there anybody that would love to take a moment to sew towards the Sunday School Department? Uh, If you have anything, I would say give it to a child, but we seem to be lacking in that department this morning, but that is okay. I'll be a child this morning. I'll walk around and I'll come pick up your money. I don't have a problem with taking people's money. Glory! Is anybody excited for what the Lord's here to do today? Let's give him one more hand clap of praise. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I never want to come into the house of the Lord and be satisfied with sitting down. I want to come in and be ready to praise because he inhabits the praise of his people. Church today, Psalms 118 and 24 says, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. If that's what you've come here today to do, It says we, it doesn't say I, it doesn't say he or she, it says we shall rejoice and be glad in it. So can we begin to put our hands together, lift our voices, and give praise unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Let's do that right now.
3: Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul. This bag of bones. I tried with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond.
0: Thank God. Amen. I'm glad that he has picked me up and turned me around. Amen. We want to remember all of those in prayer that we have on our prayer list. We want you to continue to pray for them. If there's anybody in the house that needs prayer, raise your hand. It's an acknowledgement that you have faith that the Lord's going to heal you. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before your presence and thank you for this opportunity to cast all of our cares before you. We know, Lord, that you're our healer. We acknowledge you as our healer. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to move in a mighty way, that each and every one would receive their touch, their needs, whatever circumstance they have found themselves in, Lord, that they will find the answer in you. Lord, I pray that you would touch those in the hospital, the nursing home, wherever they may be this hour, Lord, that needs a touch. And, Lord, we want to give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' mighty name.
3: Amen.
4: it's because yes, Jesus. i've seen the faithfulness of god yes. the steel inside the storm the promise of the shore i trust the power of
0: come. We're going to take up today's offering. Give us the Lord blesses you, and I know that uh, he will bless you. He, he loves to bless his children. Amen. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you for this opportunity to give. We ask, Lord, that you would bless each and every soul that has to give. We ask that you would take what is given, multiply it, and bless it, Lord, to be used in the ministry and the expansion of whether it's missions or whatever field it may be in, that we would be able to do great things in your name. For it's all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
5: Amen.
4: When you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring, when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning, and nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet.
6: to be in the house of the Lord today. Man. I praise the Lord for it. Something Man. that the pastor was talking about when he was teaching this morning, he was talking about, we need to be less offended. And I don't think anybody of us in this room today has not been offended by something right. in church. Right? We've all been there, haven't we? There. We've all got our feelings hurt. We've all probably said things we shouldn't. Right. We all have. We call it making mistakes.
3: Right.
6: None of us are perfect. Right. But I was thinking about the scripture he brought to my mind. You know, we think and the way that Jesus is preached is he's this kind, loving figure. You know, God is love. And you think Jesus never offended anybody. <laughs> but he came to offend somebody.
7: That's
6: right. The Bible says that he was talking one day and he was talking about how that people needed to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. Right. And his disciples, they couldn't get that. they couldn't right. under- that's a hard saying. Who can do that? And Jesus discerning that, he said, have I offended you? And he did offend them. And he said, from that day, many of his disciples walked no more with him. Many of them. And he turned to the 12. And he said, will you leave also? And that's what he asks us when we get offended. Right. Will you leave also when All I tell right. you the truth? All right. And so pastors, they have to tell people the truth. Right. It may offend us.
3: Right. That's right.
6: But Jesus asks us the question, will you leave also? All right. But the answer was, and I think it's a great answer, Where am I going to go? Seeing that you have the words of eternal life. Right, right. So that's what we've got to think about. Yes, we may be offended, and yes, we're going to be offended. Right. But where are we going to go? Right. The words of eternal life are here.
3: Right, right. That's good.
6: I was out. working in the yard yesterday while Pam was gone and uh, I got to singing this song I haven't I mean I don't normally sing this song and it's an old song it has a great meaning though
0: sing just a little bit of a chorus of, maybe just a little bit of praise unto the Lord realizing that sometimes we just got to give up look somebody say give up not give up serving the Lord, not give up and walk away from Jesus give up and let God take over Look at somebody and say, let God take over. Let's try to see. I don't know. It probably won't be.
5: (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. Why don't you give up and let Jesus take over?
0: Sometimes we just got to give up. Sometimes we just got to let Jesus take over. Sometimes we just got to say, Lord, it's just me and you know my faults and my failures and all that I'm going through. So Lord, I'm going to give up. Give up fighting against the Lord. Give up resisting the Lord and uh, start submitting yourself to him. Amen. The Lord is good and he's good all the time. Somebody say he's good all the time. Amen, and uh, I want us to turn to Acts chapter 2 and uh, verse number 16, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 16, good to have everybody in the house, amen, God is good all the time, I'm thankful, how many had had a turkey on the table, how many had ham on the table, How many had, uh, you know, some dessert on the table? We're blessed, ain't we? We ought to be thankful in all things. Amen. Amen. I want to be thankful. That's one of the things that the Lord said would be uh, one of the uh, things to look at in the last day, that people would be unthankful. I never want to get to that point. No matter how blessed I am or how much God gives me or... I never want to be unthankful. I never want to forget to thank Him. I thank Him for this church all the time. I thank Him for this church all the time. Which means it's not the building. I'm thanking Him for you. Because I know that that, uh, you all love Jesus. And I thank the Lord for you. Um, In verse number 16, Acts chapter 2. But this is that. Amen. Brother Caleb, if you would go on my briefcase and get that little green towel out and bring it out here. This is that. Everybody say that. Yes. That. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out, thank you brother, my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Sounds like the Lord's getting ready to show us some stuff that we're going to praise Him and we're going to worship Him, but He's going to reveal some things to us. It's a revelation process. And we find that He said, On my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vaporous smoke. The sun shall be dark, turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and terrible Day of the Lord come. Notice how it says great and terrible. Great and terrible. It's going to be a great day for the people that's looking for him. It's going to be a terrible day when they look around and see the church gone. I never want to look around and just see the church gone. Because if I just see the church gone, I've missed out. It's going to be a terrible time. That's why I want to make sure my name is where it should be. I'm gonna make sure that I am where I should be. And we find something interesting that he says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not a doctrinal issue. That doesn't mean that you can wait till your last dying breath and then say, Lord, save me, and everything will be fine. You gotta get ready now. You
1: gotta get ready now. You gotta get ready now. Hallelujah. You gotta get ready. I just want to
0: title this today, This Is That. Look at somebody and say, This Is That. This is that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. You've been so mighty in our life. You've shown this church so many great things. You have shown how you deliver. You have shown how you heal. You have saved some of our family in this very place. You have filled some of our family with the Holy Ghost in this very place. And, Lord, we know that you are here today, and we want to worship you. We want to lift up your name. And, Lord, we give you the Praise and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord another mighty hand clap. And you may be seated. It was a few years ago that we took our youth to North American Youth Congress. And uh, one of the things that they entitled that whole conference on was this is that. And important things was discussed, of course, when you take a group of young people to a conference, they always like to meet new friends, they always like to meet new boys, the girls do, and the girls like to meet the boys, and the boys like to meet the girls, and it seems like that that's sometimes all that's on people's minds, but I'm, I'm thankful for our youth at that time that That they had a mind to serve Jesus. They had their mind on Jesus. And we took them to everything that we could take them to to try to keep them close to Jesus. And that's why we have harvest time, is to keep everybody close to Jesus. And that's why we have homecoming, to keep everybody close to Jesus. Because we're living in a world that is pulling and tugging. But we got to know that everything that was prophesied in the book is going to come to pass. What hasn't happened is going to happen. And I'm glad to know, hallelujah, that this is that. I want you to know that when we see somebody speak in tongues, this is that.
1: When we see somebody begin to worship outside of their physical self, this is that. When we see somebody come to the house of God broken and leave whole, this is that. When we see somebody who comes to the an altar and tears are flowing and they know they need Jesus, this is that. I
0: know we're living in a time where people are saying, Oh, the Lord's not coming yet. He's not coming at all. Or He's just uh, delayed His coming. The Bible done said people would say that. So when people says that, you know not to listen to them. Because we know that Jesus could come today. He could come at any moment. We don't have to have anything happen. All we know is that when He comes, uh, the church is going up. And when the church goes up, uh, they ain't going to be no more. Church. Oh, I would like to. I would like to bring your attention to a time when there's no more church. You can't find a place to find solstice. You can't find a place to find comfort. You
1: can't find a place to put your mind back together. You can't find a place to mend your broken heart. Oh, this is that. I want you to know if we're ever gonna hold on to the things of God. It's going to be the power of the Holy Ghost that's in our lives. We're going to have to push and say, this is that, this is that that I need. This is that my family needs. This is that that my co-workers need. Brother, this is that. I know we're living in a time when everybody's
0: got their own philosophy of what religion is. There's only one religion, and that is what the Word of God says. Everything else is a fake. Everything else is a pretentiousness. I don't want to look around one day and find that there's no place I can find the presence of the Lord. I don't want to look around and find a day when there's no truth being preached from pulpits. We're seeing it dwindle more and more as the days go on. We'd rather tell stories We'd rather have people like us. We'd rather have people, you know, adore us than to tell them the truth of what they need to know to be saved. We'd rather give them a certain tickling of the ear and a certain thing that they want to hear, just like the Bible says. But there became a time in the book of Acts that Peter stood up and said, This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel.
1: You don't have to worry, you don't have to guess. It's been prophesied and it's come to pass and it's still coming to pass because the promise is to you and your children. Come on, somebody help me preach. I don't know what... Is, is, if we, got, we got too much turkey in us. We, we are in a daze. Uh, we just feel like that. We ain't got no energy to praise anymore. But I got news for us. Uh, if we don't say this is that, if we don't know that Jesus is that, if we don't know our help is in Him, if we don't know He's our This... Is that.
0: People don't even know what that is. They don't understand the that. But there was no room for guessing. We find in Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. And I want to read verse number 11 if they would bring that up. Isaiah 28 and verse number 11. There's something in this verse that begins to let us know that everything that Lord prophesied about is going to come to pass. There's no question about it. I'm not confused about who I serve. I'm not confused, is he the second person in the Trinity? Is he God's little boy? Or was he just a carpenter's son? I'm not confused about that. Because I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom I serve. I want us to understand that in verse number 11 of Isaiah chapter 28, it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people I want you to know that it's been prophesied stammering lips is not the Holy Ghost but it is a prelude if you will to getting the Holy Ghost I've seen people pray for the Holy Ghost and the next thing you know they got stammering lips
1: and they sometimes are satisfied with that and get up and walk off that is not that but I want you to know what this is that is about because once you get the stammering lips and another tongue, once you start speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, that's the evidence that you got the Acts 2.38 experience what does it take to be saved what does it take to make it to heaven what does it take a lot of people have their philosophies
0: but I want them to know that in the book of Acts and in the book of Joel we find that people that are going to call on the name of the Lord are not just
1: people that use that one phrase it's those that have said I'm sorry for my sins you can't get into heaven without repenting of your sins so just calling on Jesus don't cut it look at somebody and say just calling on Jesus don't cut it just calling on his name don't get it you've got to repent of your sins and not only that Jesus himself Jesus himself said you've got to be born again of the water and of the spirit so you've got to go down in Jesus name not a sprinkle not a sprinkle well, we would have baptized them if we would had water and had a chance. No, he had a chance. She had a chance. They had a chance are you being cruel pastor no I'm just stating the word people are putting their faith in a lot that is not that they're looking for stuff to please the flesh and hopefully they say I can get in with a little less I believe that we gotta stand up in this day there's gotta be some apostolic courage there's gotta be some Pentecostal power there's gotta be some people that says I'm gonna stand in spite of what's going on in this world you look at Hamas, you look at Israel, you look at Palestine, you look at all the death and destruction all around. If you think it's only going to stay over there, you are mistaken. That's why you better get serious today. How am I going to make it to heaven? I'm going to make it to heaven the way Peter said. Peter said to repent. Peter said to be baptized in Jesus' name. Peter said get the Holy Ghost. If you want your children saved, you get saved.
0: I'm going to tell you, if you got lost children, you better stay saved. You better stay saved because you're the only hope they have. Because one day they're going to come to their senses. It's going to be like the the prodigal son wasn't just written to take up space in a book, it was written to show us what's going to happen to some prodigals. They're going to come to themselves. They're going to realize I've been out world playing and I've been wasting my uh, substance and riotous living. I've been going through a party time and I just thought life was all about me and all about how much fun I can have and all about how much friends I've got. You see, if we're not careful, we don't realize that is the spirit of the day. How many friends you got on Facebook it's usually the first conversation? Oh, I got about 3,000. How many is going to come to you when you're in trouble? Oh, I, I've, I've got all sorts of Twitter followers, and I've got all sorts of, of people following me on, on the other uh, social media outlets. Oh, oh, but how many of them serve Jesus? I'm going to tell you something people speaking into your life, every facet of life whether it's Facebook or whether it's Twitter or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Instagram or some other thing, they're speaking into your life. People you hang out with speak into your life. So what you got to learn is if you believe this is that, if you believe what you have is real, you're not going to listen to their drawing and their pulling. You're going to say, I want to try to get them saved. I want to try to get them saved. I'm
1: going to invite them to church. I'm going to try to get them on a pew. If I can get them on a pew, I might can get them to an altar. We can call on the name of Jesus together.
0: Well... I know that we're living in a day where it seems like the atmosphere, the spirit of of the day is this, that it's all about us. It's all about surrounding us. But if you look, it's not all about us. Because the Bible says that it is a promise. It's a promise. And once you receive uh, uh, the, the forgiveness of sins, it's a promise to you. People have prayed for years and never spoke in tongues. I want to tell you something. You need to accept the promise. You need to say it's a promise it's a promise to me and my children and all that are afar off so if I am going to get my children in if I'm going to ever get them saved if the prodigals are ever going to come home we got to
1: stay steadfast we got to keep coming to church we got to be faithful we can't argue with them we can't fight with them we can't dispute with them we got to love them Oh, this is that. I'm going to tell you what. When I got the Holy
0: Ghost, I loved everybody. And you know what? I still love everybody. Some more than others. But I still love everybody. you got to understand that Holy Ghost inside of you, that's the Spirit of God, and God is love. We can't go about our life proving our points in the world, and then coming to church on Sunday and expect the Lord to just open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that we're not worthy of we got to understand that if we're trying to prove our points in the world, you're going to have a world experience when you get in the house of God. And the Bible says that they are dead in trespasses and sin. So you know what makes a church dead? is when we start doing
1: more in the world than we do in the house of God. I wish I had a little help. And i tell you what happens. We get so wrapped up in our job and in our work and in our friends and in the school and all things that we don't realize. We are out to win people. We got to get people to Jesus. They need Jesus more than they need your friendship on Facebook. They need Jesus more. Oh, I wish I had a little help. Somebody that believed this, this is that.
0: I know that we're living in that time, but he said this is that which was spoken of. By the prophet Joel Now I think that's important to understand Because Joel said this In Joel chapter 2 verse 27 And ye shall know Everybody say I'm going to know Here's what you're going to know That I am in the midst of Israel Hamas Know this God's in the midst of Israel. Church, you might as well just serve the devil notice. You might as well serve all the gainsayers notice. God is in the midst of my life. God is in the midst of the church I attend. I'm not looking for less. I'm looking to make it to heaven. I'm not looking for less. I know people's looking for less. I know there's people right now looking for less. But I want you to know I'm not looking for less. I'm looking for a walk with Jesus, which requires. And you shall know. See, this is revelation. Revelation of the word doesn't just happen in the book of Revelation. Revelation of his word happens when you know who Jesus is. Revelation of his word happens when you Find out what you need to do to please the Lord. Ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that, notice that. Notice, here's what he says. Five words in to verse 27. What's that word? Shout it. Five words in. Somebody went, one, two, three, four. Shout it again. There's a reason that is in there. That. Now notice what happens when you skip just to the comma and the second word after the comma. You see, until we get that, we'll never understand why we dress like we dress. We'll never understand why we don't go to worldly places. We'll never understand why we think church is more important than anything else in our life. We'll never understand until we get that. Once you get that, everything else falls into place. You're not confused when you got that. I'm not confused when I know I've got that. So you shall know that I'm in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. Ain't nobody else your God. Not your home, not your car, not your job, not your money, not your family. You only got one God. What's his name? Amen. You only got one God. None else. Everybody say, none else. And here's what he says My people shall never be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the way I live. When I go on vacation, you'll see me dressed virtually without a tie, but you'll see me dressed basically the same way you see me out in town. I don't reserve my bathing suits. I don't reserve my worldly attire and say, well, nobody knows me down here. Well, just as soon as you post all your pictures on Facebook, we see you. I've seen people who stand in churches and say, oh, I believe you got to live holy. I believe you got to dress different. I believe you got to be modest. And then they go to the beach and you have to censor what you're looking at. I'm not speaking anything new to anybody. And I'm not saying anybody here is doing that. So everybody can go, whoo. I'm just saying if we don't get that. If we don't get that, we'll never know God is in our midst. We'll never know that He is God alone. We'll never know that there's none else but Him until we get that. And once we get that, we'll start believing. They was things I didn't believe until I got that. My hair was longer than it is now, and I had more of it, but it was longer than it is now before I got that. My appearance wasn't all that and a bag of chips before that. I'm going to tell you something. There was some things that before I got that, I didn't understand. I always wonder why. And, and, you know, you get some little kid and, all oh, you just got babies, you're going to understand this because one day everything you say, they're going to say, why? 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 And pretty soon you get... Get tired of telling why, and you say, Because I said so. You see, I, 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 there's people that, that ask me all the time, Why do y'all live this way? Why do y'all dress this way? Why do y'all act this way? Why do y'all believe you got to go to church every time the doors are open and all that? And, and then after I get tired of them asking why for a while, I just say, Because the Bible says so. Ask Jesus. Take it up with Jesus. I think it's important that we understand that he said it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit this is prophet Joel this ain't Acts 238 but it's talking about Acts 238 I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions I'm glad that I'm dreaming dreams I used to see visions That's when I was younger. Now I'm old. I dream dreams. I had a dream last night, which was weird. A guy had a, everybody knows what a straight razor is that you shave with. He had one of those. And what had happened was I was in a place and I I got lost. And I turned and went into this house that wasn't anybody I knew. But I just opened the door and went in. And that was my mistake. Opened the door and went in. And in my dream, all of a sudden, it was a bad place. The I, I, only thing I can compare it to was being a drug house. Okay? And, and so I come back out. But when I come back out, there's a guy comes after me because I saw what was going on. I don't take this as a, I ate too much, what do we have? Oh, taco soup last night. I don't take it as that. I take it as I went in to the darkness and saw what is there. And because I saw what is there, I'm trying to tell you all what is there. And when I turned to run, the devil came after me. And when the devil came after me, he had a straight razor. And he was very skillful. Oh, you ought to read your Bible sometimes. It's a fascinating book. He was very skillful with it. He could flip it around and flip it and twirl it, and, and it just looked like a propeller on an airplane when he was doing it. And then he could throw it, and it would stick in to whatever he threw it at. And so I took off running, and, and I began to just run this race. Running for my life. That's what the Lord wanted me to get from this dream. It wasn't a dream about some, you know, nightmare of a thing. It was to let you know when you really see what's in the
1: darkness, you will turn and run from it. When you really see what's in the world, you'll turn and run. I wish I had somebody that believed that. When you see what's in the world, you will turn and run for your life.
0: Run for your life. Your children's going to be wrapped up in this darkness. I opened that door and it was just in the darkness. And immediately I knew this is not where I need to be. So I took off on this road. And every step I took, it was like I got to run for my life because I know how skillful The guy with the blade is. See, we got to know how skillful and cunning the devil is. Can I help us just for a moment? We got to know his tricks. I want to tell you, young ladies, the devil will send you somebody batting their eyes at you and all hunked out and tell you how gorgeous you are just so that they can pull you away from the Lord. I'm, I'm going to tell you young men something. There's going to be some girls and they're going to paint their eyes and they're going to paint their face and they're going to wear skimpy clothing and they're going to look at you and say, woo you're a mighty fine specimen of a man. You know what? To pull you away from God. The Bible don't say uh, this in vain. The Bible says that we can marry only in the Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to even take it a, a, a bit further. Only date in the Lord. I'm going to try to help us. Because I saw what was behind the door and it was darkness and it was evil and it was something that was going to try to take my life but I turned and I ran that's why the Lord wants me to speak to us today this is that we've got to have this we've got to have
1: that we've got to have the Holy Ghost because we got to keep running we got to keep running the devil's on your trail the devil's trying to destroy you the devil's out to kill you and your children your marriage your family the devil's out to kill it all. Why do I know this?
0: Because the Bible says that the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. He's after you. You ain't got time to play around on God. You ain't got time to sit down and act like nothing's happening. I am going to tell you, the devil is cunning. And he's slick. And he knows how to trick people. He knows how to trick people. The Bible says in in Revelation, if you read the whole book, read to the end of the book, it talks about wearing the saints out. I don't know about you, but you run for a while, you're going to get wore out. There's going to be times you feel wore out. There's going to be times you feel like you're, you're overwhelmed. There's going to be times like you just feel like I can't take another step. I can't go on. I've got to just catch my breath. But the Lord said, keep running. No wonder Paul said, I run this race. I finished my course. Kept the faith. You know what? He was looking for that crown. He said, I got to make it to heaven. I got to get there. Church, you got to get there. I know we just had turkey and we're thinking about Christmas and we're thinking about all the gifts somebody's going to give us. And we're just thinking about all that good stuff It's going to happen. But I'm going to tell you, none of that means anything. I've seen what's behind the door. And it's darkness. And the Lord wanted me to tell you today, and I'm gonna give it to you because the Lord told me to share it with you. There is nothing but darkness in our world. When you go out these doors right here, you enter immediately into darkness. That's why you've got to be the light. That's right. That's what the Bible says. You've got to be the light. That's why Jesus, when he was in the world, he was the light. But now, you are the light of the world. You've got to shine in this dark and perverse generation. And that means you can't hide. How many knows if, if, if you're in darkness and you're the only one has got a flashlight, how many knows you ain't hiding? The enemy's going to see your flashlight. So you're open target. But if you have that, there you go, somebody got it. If you have that, being an open target only gives you a chance to resist the devil so he flees. And instead of you running, he runs. Instead of you turning, he turns. Why? Because you have submitted yourself to God. Think about this and that dream And I think about how dark it was And how evil of a time it was And I thought I've got to tell the people These times are evil You don't know when you go to the next Dollywood Or the next Kings Island When somebody's going to steal your kid You, you don't know when the next trip to the mall Somebody's going to open up and shoot the mall and you're in the midst of it. You don't know what's going to happen on the highway between here and your next destination. But I do know that. If I have Jesus, whether I live, I live unto the Lord. Whether I die, I die unto the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Amen. Right? That's good. That's good preaching. So I want to I close with this because it says basically the same thing. I'll put my spirit upon all flesh, pour my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I'll, I'm going to show wonders. Show wonders in the heavens and in earth and blood, fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be, notice what this says, delivered. It didn't say saved. This is why we can't put that word saved or delivered as salvation. I get saved from a lot of stuff. I get ready to step out in traffic and somebody will pull me back. I was walking along one day with another preacher friend of mine and we was getting ready to step off the curb and by the time I got in mid-step he pulled me back. (laughs) There I went to the car. I didn't see it. I'm busy talking to him. I almost want you to know that this being delivered. We got to call on the Lord when we need deliverance. You that are saved, you got to call on the Lord when you need delivered. There's going to be times in your life that you don't know which way to turn. Call on the Lord. There's going to be times when you wake up and you say, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. Call on the name of the Lord. There's going to be times... When you're going to find yourself in a situation that you're just wanting to throw in the towel, you're wanting to just throw in that. But you got to say, wait a minute, I'm going to call on the name of the Lord one more time. Because when I call on His name, everything changes. change. Everything can change. When I call on the name of Jesus, there is deliverance. How many believes that? I'm going to close with that. I'm going to close with that because I believe that if we will believe the word of God and if we have that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, if we have that which Isaiah 28 and 11 says, if we have that which in Acts chapter 2 and verse 16, if we have that, we're not going to dwell in the darkness. We're not even going to like the darkness. It's going to repulse us. Because we see the evil. And if, if our eyes could be open, and I believe that's why that dream was what it was, if our eyes could be open, we would see the evil all around us. All around us. Just like the man that looked at the prophet and said, There's more with them than they are with us. And he said, Wait a minute, let's just ask the Lord to open your eyes. Opened his eyes and he looked around and he saw chariots all around. You see, we got to understand. If we could really see, if, if, if the scales could be dropped for a moment. And we could really see what is going on in our neighbor's house, our communities, and surrounding area. You would be astounded. So keep that. Right? Holy Ghost. Keep that. Because you're going to need it when you go out there. I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to come. I'm going to give us a time to pray because there's there's always a good time to pray and talk to Jesus. You say, well, the altar's just for the lost. No, it's it's for saved people. It's for people that want to get closer to the Lord and get more power and overcome some things and maybe something's come against you and you just want to call on the name of the Lord. Maybe you're feeling like you've been left out and you're feeling low and you're feeling like your life is just, somebody's just run over you and just left you for dead and, and, and you're trying your best and it seems like the more you try, the worse it gets. Anybody ever been in that condition? that The more you try, the worse it gets. The more you try, the more you find how hard it is to get back where that place is. I can just call on His name. I can just call on His name. I can just come to this altar because this is the the house of God. But you are the people of God. And there'll be somebody. And and I would like to caution all of our people that pray with people. uh, Some people may not want to be touched. Some people may not want to be, you know, yelled in their ear and things like that. Uh, Just be cautious about that. Because some people need to get to Jesus.